0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, friends, if I could have your attention, find your seats, that'd be great. Find a Bible if you can. Um... Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, it's a little warmer than it was last week. Our boiler in the basement is broken. DNR, do not resuscitate. Thankfully, we rent the building, so that's not an expense we have to uh, incur. Which is, but we do have Snuffleupagus here coming. Uh, um, if you did go downstairs, it's a little warmer down there. It's either on or off, so if you find yourself cold at any moment, just head downstairs with the kids and you can sweat down there. Otherwise, uh, welcome. To those of you who ran the Twin Cities Marathon and the uh, 10-miler last week, can we give a round of applause to those folks? Yeah! Whether you ran with Team World Vision or not, that's a big deal. Um, if you didn't know, a number of people at Awaken partnered with Team World Vision to run for clean water at projects in Africa, and uh, I don't know the numbers, I'll get those and maybe pass those on um, next week. But. Um, yeah, a, a number, a lot of money was raised for that uh, throughout the Twin Cities and, and connected to Awakened. So a very, very cool thing. Uh, so well done, everybody. Uh, last, not last week, but two weeks ago, I spoke. Uh, last time I spoke, and I talked about reconciliation and why it was important, why it is important, why it's part of the gospel in my opinion, and part of the good news about Jesus and being. Uh, connected to what God is up to in the world, and maybe you uh, left that thinking like, okay, interesting, thank you, that was very uh, thoughtful. Maybe you didn't, I don't know. But if you did, and you were wondering like next steps, or is there anything you might encourage me, I've been listening to some things and watching some things, and I want to just pass a few very, very easy things on to you. This is low-hanging fruit, so two podcasts, two films. They'll be on the screen behind me. Two podcasts, uh, the first of which is called, uh, it's The title of the podcast itself is called Seen on Radio, and uh, the sort of series is called Seeing White. It's a 14-part series. They're like 30 to 40 minutes each, uh, so it's a bit of an investment of time, but you can kind of walk through those, and I have been doing that. I think I'm on episode 10. Fascinating. Uh, Hard to hear, hard to listen to at times, but very, very informative. The other one I would recommend is called 1619, uh, p- put out by the New York Times. 1619 was the, date, uh, the year that the first 20 slaves came to what would be America from Angola, Africa, and were traded at Point Comfort, uh, an ironic destination, unfortunately. But those two podcasts are very good. I would highly recommend them. And then two films, one, both on Netflix, one is called uh, When They See Us, which is about the Central Park uh, uh, in 1989, five j- young young boys who were incarcerated wrongfully and sort of uh, their journey. It's a four-part series, and I would, um, I would dare you not to cry watching that. Uh, and the other one is called 13th. Also on Netflix, it's about the 13th Amendment and about mass incarceration in the United States. All of these are really, 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 uh, informative and helpful if you're interested in engaging this conversation. So I want to just pass those on to you, all right? Sound good? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, today, if you have your Bible, John chapter 1, that's where we're going to start. And nine and a half years ago when we began Awaken, a number of people gathered in a park, but before that, we gathered around a number of tables, and we started uh, asking the question, what will Awaken value? Like, what will be, we have a chance to start a new church to sort of, we got a blank slate, we have a whiteboard in front of us, which to me gets me all excited. Some people paralyzes them, but I just love that process. And so we asked, like, what will Awaken value? What will be the thing or the things that determine and drive and, and help us navigate how to be a church together? And through the course of that discussion and prayer and discernment, 10 words and then definitions sort of rose to the surface, which we've talked about as like the values or the DNA of Awaken. Uh, you may have noted that um, uh, they used to be over here on my left and your right, and they're now gone uh, because we're working on a new set of things. And so uh, values are important because they guide our behavior. They, uh, they're, they're, they're guiding principles for sort of how we organize our life together, and in this case, our church together together. Uh, whenever you have to sort of make a decision, big or small, you go back to your values and you determine how much or if this decision is going to uphold or, or sort of detract from the things that you've declared as valuable or that you value. And the thing about values is you choose them. Like there's no description, there's no, there, there, there's no like Bible verse that says these are the values of all Christian churches. Like each community, each family sort of chooses to say we're going to value these things and I would argue that it is perhaps one of the most important decisions that we make because again, they, uh, they help determine, they dictate, they're uh, sort of a, um, a means by which to discern should we do this or not, right? And so these 10 words were over here and now they're not because in the next six weeks, I want to walk us through and I want to invite you to join me on an exploration of what I would say is like a, a refining of the things that we've declared as value at Awaken, a process that included a staff retreat this last spring. Our staff went away to Pachaman Terrace, this little uh, hermitage up in the woods, and we sat in a cabin by ourselves uh, thinking about our ministry and the things that we do at Awaken, but also in this season that we're entering as fall begins to approach and as we think about the things that have happened at awaken and sort of where we are in the life of our church what will we value is it the same things that we've always said or do we feel any like new things rising up any things that are bubbling up to the surface around us any like new invitations of the spirit that we want to say yes to and declare as value and so the next six weeks is going to be a reaffirmation of things that we've already said we value. It's going to be like the coalescing of some things that we've said we valued. And it's going to be the introduction of a couple of new things that we really sense as a church and as a staff, as an advisory team, uh, that are uniquely for us in this next season at Awaken. I would submit that like the values of a church, they, they come and they go based on season. You can say for a season, we're going to like, lean into this thing and that shapes you and form you. And then maybe in another season you feel the spirit moving in a different direction and you say, we're going to lean into this thing. So that's what, how we understand values. And in many ways, fall brings about like, this opportunity for us to sort of stop and say, who are we, where have we been, and where are we going? And so that's what this series is about. And I think as we, we did that and have been doing that as a staff, we've sensed like, a new chapter being opened to write in. Um, as we think about the events of the spring and this past summer, uh, sort of a clarity around how we as a church will live into this value of freedom in Christ or this this understanding of freedom of Christ. It felt that there's a new thing happening at Awaken and some invitations that we want to say explicitly out loud, this is a value to us as a church. So that's where we're going in the next six weeks. My good friend Katie is working on what we'll soon hang over here on my left and your right, which I'm very excited, and each week that'll just be added to, and by the end of it, we'll have a work of art done by our one one and only Katie Crawford, right? Yeah, I'm excited about that too. So um, if you have your Bibles, um, open them. If you uh, can find John chapter 1, go there, and please stand if you can for the reading of the, the text. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip down to verse 14. That Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pray with me. God, this morning as we begin this journey and this series on what it is that we as a church want to say we value and that we're about, that will be at the center of our community, I pray that you would continue to guide and lead. Um, We... We hope for, we pray for open hearts and open ears and open eyes to be able to see and hear and sense who it is that you are calling us to be and inviting us to be as individuals but then also as a community. So I pray this in the name of the uh, Father, Son, and Spirit and all God's people said together. Amen. You may be seated. So the first value we want to state explicitly at Awaken is um, Jesus, I don't know if you've ever heard me tell this joke before. It's one of my all-time favorites. My grandpa told it to me, and may you rest in peace. I figured I'd just keep his tradition and his, his honor going in, in, in the world. And so there was a, a, a Sunday school teacher. She said, kids, what is gray and has a bushy tail, climbs trees, eats nuts? And one little boy in the front was raises his hand, shot like a, up, up like a shot, and he says, Mrs. Johnson? Sounds a lot like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> Maybe obviously, um, we as a church want to say out loud that Jesus is of value to us. Uh, I, would, I would suggest that this is first in the series because it is first in priority. Now, before we do anything else, we don't want to assume that anyone knows or that everyone knows, but we want to say out loud and write it down and put it in in, in ink that this person, Jesus, the one that John begins his gospel with, who was from the beginning the Christ and then was made known to us, incarnated as Jesus the human, that his life and his teachings and what he was and is about is of value to this community, Um, It is maybe the only non-negotiable that we have. uh, That that this guy and who he was and what he was about is like, we will tenaciously defend that in the center of our community. And so uh, uh, we can choose our values, right? And these values then determine how we make decisions and who we are together. I would say this, what you value determines what kind of family you are and how you do life together and ultimately what kind of witness you will be to the world and to each other. So we want to say, first and foremost, that Jesus is a value. And as I've been thinking about this sermon and this teaching and wondering, like, if Awaken actually valued Jesus, like, what would happen? Like, if that were true, and this community lived that out where Jesus was of value to us, like, what kinds of things could we expect? I tried this at home at dinner one night when I, you know, with my kids, and they're all gathered around. I said, kids, like, I'm doing this series, and they just immediately checked out. (laughs) Uh... But I no, stick with me, stick with me. So if we're doing this series. Like, if, 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 you, if someone really valued the person of Jesus, like, what would happen? It didn't go well. Uh, I don't know what that says about me as a pastor, you know, and my kids, but they're like, you know, Dad, I don't really know. Maybe you should ask the church. So I was left to my own devices this last week just thinking about, like, what would this look like and I kept. I, I I I want to offer five thoughts to you this morning. And you know, we could say a whole bunch of different things about like if if we really value Jesus, like what would happen. I recognize that, but I just want to offer these five as musings from your pastor in terms of if we really did this, if we lived into it in this next year, like what would happen. Um, so here they are. The first of which is this: If we value Jesus, I think we will value and see. We will begin to. We will increasingly. Value and see the beauty in small and hidden things. Um, why would I say this? Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four gospel writers, all contain a parable about a mustard seed. And if you've ever cooked anything and you know what a mustard seed is like, you could fit like hundreds of them in your hand. They're very, very, very small. And um, you would never think that these things could be anything substantive, that they could be anything more than like a little, you know, stock with a flower on them or something or that they could support any weight or any any life beyond themselves. They're tiny. They're very small. And yet, if you were to Google, which I would recommend you do, like Middle Eastern, you know, mustard bush or mustard tree. These things grow to be one of the largest trees in the Middle East. It's insane how big they get. And Jesus tells a story about this mustard seed that becomes this giant tree that gives life to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and they find shade in the home and all kinds of things. And it's like, how does this small, tiny little thing become something so, like a force to be reckoned with? And the gospel writers are telling this story as if, um, you know, like likening the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God and this way of being human uh, to this small seed that is insignificant and, you know, like hardly even seen, and yet it becomes something that takes root and gives life to many, many other things. Uh, In Mark alone, in chapters 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9, Jesus at multiple times tells his disciples and people that come to uh, see him, like people that he's healed or that he's spoken to or teachings, he then tells them, like, don't tell anybody, which is fascinating, right? Like, it's just, it it goes against everything we learn about marketing and, like, selling something. Uh, in, In one instance, like, the movement's growing, the crowd is gathering, it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's, like, the perfect time to go from one service to two, you know? Like, send out the marketing campaign, put somebody on a screen, get the bus bench ad, and just like, like, let's make this thing go up and to the right. And Jesus says to his disciples, come away with me to a quiet place so you can learn how to rest. And it's like befuddling, right? Like, How and why would he ever do that? It doesn't make any sense. Yet I would argue that when we follow Jesus, and if we value this, Jesus, that we will learn to see the value in small and hidden things. I don't know if you know, but one of my greatest joys as a pastor is when I hear a story about something that's happening under the radar that nobody else knows about at Awaken. I just love it. Like somebody comes and they're like, you would never believe what happened. And, and, and I just hold these things like, like Mary holds them close to her heart. There are so many things that are small, seemingly small and insignificant that are happening like just below the surface of Awaken that you probably have no idea are happening. And some people would say, Micah, you're an idiot. You gotta tell everybody. You gotta like sell those stories, right? You gotta tell the people when you give to Awaken, that's what happens, you know? And yet, I just, I don't know. There's something about, at our advisory team last week, we're like, we should tell some of these stories. And I'm just like, ah. Because I think that the kingdom is often at odds with our in, like our natural inclination to like put it on a screen or put it in a brochure or like tell everybody about it. Having said that, I'll just tell you that fresh produce is grown and picked all summer and donated to a group of people with no fanfare, no media coverage. Um, there are backpacks that get filled every Friday for kids that take food home f- from school in two different locations in this city. That you don't even know who the, they're probably sitting next to you, the people who do it. But nobody knows. There are refugees and asylum seekers who who find friends who help them navigate the systems that are brand new and seemingly insurmountable week in and week out here. They go to grocery stores and DMVs and language learnings and that's all happening right now underneath your noses. Students meet on Sunday nights, and volunteers like pour their hearts and their lives into, to, to, into our kids. A massive army of people right below your feet love on our children every single Sunday. There's a sober house just down the street that continues to offer a new path and new life and hope for people for who thought that there was none. I could go on and I'll stop. But these are all things happening right below the surface, small, maybe insignificant, and yet they're not. So, a question for you this morning as we begin. Like, is there anything small and insignificant in your life that maybe is actually the work of God right under your nose that you just didn't even see? Is there anything that happened that you thought would be bigger and it ended up being smaller that maybe possibly could be the work of God right in front of you? Is there anything that you're doing that's just... Maybe insignificant or you think is insignificant but actually is forming you and shaping you and challenging you and moving you towards like channeling in you a, a, a river of grace and compassion. Like, these are the things that Jesus says they matter and I think if we value this Jesus we'll learn to see and value the small and hidden things among us. I would also say that I think we'll find ourselves spending time with and standing with oppressed and powerless people more often. Um, one of the most common phrases in the Old Testament is sort of like really, really well said in Zechariah 7:10, and all throughout the Old Testament, it says it in various numbers of ways, but it says this, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, or the poor. Don't oppress, don't leave out the widow, the fatherless, the orphan, uh, the, the sojourner, the immigrant, the alien, or the poor among you. Is it Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Proverbs, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Malachi, Amos, Micah? All of these books have multiple times they say something like this. Don't leave out the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the alien, the poor. Then Jesus, who takes Israel's vocation on himself and lives it out, offers it to you and I, the church. Which is to say the care or the, the admonition to not leave out the alien, the orphan, the widow, the fatherless, the marginalized, the oppressed, the powerless, to care for them, to keep an eye out for them, is then given to the church. So if we follow this Jesus, it would then it would make sense that we would be increasingly in proximity to those who are powerless and marginalized and oppressed in our culture, in our day. If you can't see that, I don't know how to make it any more clear. So if we're not, what does that say about the church? Well, actually, let's not go that route. Let's just, let's, just, let's, just, let's just put the vision out in front of us and say, if we want to be the church and we want to value this Jesus, then we should, uh, hate should, uh, we, we're invited to be in proximity to the poor, the powerless, the marginalized, the oppressed among us. Are we not? James, uh, Jesus, so if, if this is given to Jesus and then Jesus gives this to us, James sums it up in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 27. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. In my opinion, this is my opinion, this is one of the sharp edges of the gospel and the way of Jesus for our church in America. Like for us, culturally and historically, the norm and the air that we breathe is up and to the right. It's exceptionalism and it's triumph. Like just in the the air that we breathe, like you go to school, you get good grades in high school, so you can go to college, so that you can get a job, so that you can gain wealth so that you can have security, take care of the people around you. That's not a bad thing, but that's just the air that we breathe. Everything, if you do it right, is up and to the right. And that's just not the gospel. It's just not what Jesus preaches. So the values of our, in the currency of our everyday lives are security and power, and yet here we find Jesus in like a seminal moment before his ministry begins where he goes out into the wilderness, right, in, into the darkness, into the, uh, and then he comes back and he goes to Nazareth, his hometown. He goes to see his friends at, you know, the, well, okay. He goes to see all his pals and he shows up in the synagogue, and in Luke chapter 4 he says this, unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. This is the beginning of his ministry, and here's what he says he's about. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll, he sits down, drops the mic, and says, That's me. What do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that Jesus declares himself that he's come to bring good news, and when he does, it comes to the poor and the marginalized and the powerless and the oppressed, to the foreigner, the alien, the orphan, and the widow. What do we do with the fact that if we line up all the characters that Jesus consistently finds himself with and for on one side of the room and all the people that Jesus consistently opposes on the other side of the room, if I'm being totally honest, I identify more with these folks than these folks. What do we do with that? This is a sharp edge of the gospel and I don't mean to I don't I hope I'm not adding offense to an already offensive gospel. One preacher said you probably don't need to do that. If we really value and place Jesus in the center, the person and teachings of Jesus, then I suspect we will increasingly find ourselves in proximity to the oppressed, the marginalized, the powerless among us. Which leads me to a third thought. As we do this, I hope we will find ourselves lamenting what is not true and right in the world. If, and it's a really big if, if we find ourselves in close proximity, with increasing degree, in proximity to the marginalized and oppressed and powerless in the world, I have a sneaky suspicion that it will begin to break our hearts. Actually, that's what I prayed for this week for you. I don't spend a ton of time in prayer. Uh, prayer is not like something that comes very naturally to me, so I have to discipline myself to do it. But this week, when I did it, I prayed that for you. That this would rip, it would begin to rip your hearts out of your chest. That as you're in proximity, that you would begin to lament the things that are broken and not, try, not right in the world. That that would bother you. That it would, like, a holy discomfort, that you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. As I'm leaning into some of this, I'm telling you, like, I wake up thinking about it. That's new for me, and it's breaking my heart. Lament in Scripture is everywhere. It's all over the place. There's a, the Psalms are full of them. There's a, an entire book called Lamentations, right? And yet, I looked at the top 100 songs of 2019, and like, generously. Five of them you could consider lament. Like the songs we're singing that form us and shape us are all about triumph and exceptionalism. And it's not bad. Like God is good. God has found you. You are loved. It's all true. Praise the Lord. But what does it say when the lament of what's broken and not right in the world never makes it into our gathering? So as Jenna and Mel and I and others gather around the table and begin to plan for like our gatherings of worship this year, you can be rest assured that the question is how and when are we allowing and making space for lament in our gathering? To lament by the definition is just by the dictionary is just this, if you would throw that one up there. To mourn, to grieve, to weep or wail, to express sorrow, to regret deeply. Is there anything broken in the world? And, and, and is it does, what does it do to you and I to actually enter into that? I would suggest you cannot have a truly compassionate response until you've borne the weight of someone's suffering. How do you bear the weight of someone else's suffering if you don't enter into it? One, one author, Sung Chang Ra, uh, he's a professor and, and author at North Park in Chicago, says that when the church laments together, the voices of the oppressed and the powerless are not silent. Who gets heard in our world? What are the voices we hear? This is just how it works. It's whoever has the power. And those whose voices are silent are often the ones who are on the margins. And when we as the church, the gathered people who follow Jesus, lament together, their voices are no longer silent, at least not in our community. And they begin to change us, and they begin to shape us. So I think as we move towards suffering, as we are in proximity to those who don't have power, I I think it will invite us, I think there will be a holy invitation to actually enter into that suffering and that lament, that there's something that's broken. Now, friends, that doesn't mean we, you know, I'll say this. My first response as an eight on the Enneagram and like a D on a high, you know, D and I on the disc and like a doer, I'm like, what do we need to do? Let's get to action, right? A little less talk, a lot more action. Country song said it, it's got to be true. Yes, right? Like, (laughs) I wish I had that right there. Like, I'll just share, Luke just went. (laughs) That's so good. I will save that for a long time. But, like, I, that's true, right? Like, we can't just always talk about something and, but we got at some point, there has to be action. And people like me, who have had privilege and the privilege of this skin and this gender, like, often say, what do I do? What can I do? How can I fix it? But if we do that, we can never enter into, with compassion, someone else's experience and that that just becomes a transaction then so we got to start here to enter into the story enter into the experience and then move to here you can't bypass that because that's cheap so i'm going to invite us to take the hard road as we're in proximity i think it will invite us to 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 actually experience to lament to walk with to hold like link arms with and then move here that's beautiful That's gospel, that's good news. I think uh, not only the things I've already said, that um, we will find ourselves in proximity, I think it will be an invitation to lament, I think that we'll see value in small and hidden things, I think we will not then be afraid of death and dying in darkness. If we follow this Jesus, if that's serious, if we're serious about this, I think we will not be afraid of death and dying in darkness. You guys remember Home Alone when he comes out on the street and he's like, I'm not afraid anymore, did you hear me? I'm not afraid anymore. And then the guy with the shovel with the garbage can, and he's like, ah, he runs back into the house. But like, forget that part. But he stands there, and he's like, I'm not afraid anymore. People who follow the resurrected Jesus need not fear death and dying in darkness, because we know that resurrection always follows death. That's gospel. That's good news, people. So even when death comes, even when darkness comes, even when it is knocking on your door, we grieve darkness, we grieve death. Yes, we're human, but we do not do so as those who have no hope. If you look around you, the universe, it's just resurrection everywhere. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this, but like even the plants themselves, you can't get more plants unless something dies. You can't scatter seed unless the plant gives itself up for, right? Take a tomato. You can't get more tomatoes until you cut that thing off, you let it die, and then the, sc- the seeds get scattered. The universe, the stars, it's always death and then resurrection. What we know about Jesus is the confirmation that this is true in the universe. If the Christ mystery is at work in you and in me, we know that death does not get the last word. Amen. It gets a word, but it doesn't get the last word. So if we say we follow this Jesus, then we need not fear death and dying in darkness. I gotta be totally honest with you, friends, at the risk of sharing too soon and too fast, the last like three to six months of my life have been pretty dark. And a lot of days I wake up and I'm just like, I don't, even know how to, I don't even know how to get my shoes on. I don't know how to show up as myself these days for whatever reason. And it's dark. Maybe I'm depressed, maybe it's a midlife crisis. I don't know, my therapist is trying to help me figure it out. But I'm not afraid. Because I know that from death and darkness comes light and life. I've seen it way too many times. Which means, and I'll close with this, that if we follow Jesus, there are going to be a lot of birthdays to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? If new life happens, we get to celebrate new births. July 11, 2010, a new church was born, and every year I celebrate a birthday of this church, this community, you, every year. July 11, 2010. 2013, October, I went to Israel, and I learned for the first time. I actually, I gave, I I surrendered to experiencing and receiving God's love as a father for me. That was, that's a birthday. I celebrate it every year. 2000, uh, actually it wasn't 2000. That was a long time ago. Whoa, man. Uh, 1991, June of 1991, I stood on a beach in Chicago and I gave my life to Christ for, this, for, for real, like for serious, and I haven't looked back. I celebrate that as a birthday. Whether it's big or small, if you follow Jesus and if Jesus is a value in our community, there should be birthdays everywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like little things that we celebrate as like, New life, because if the Christ mystery is at work in us and through us, then new things will come to life. It's just got to be. It happened. It happened, and it will happen. Resurrection happened, and it happens again and again and again and again. So the church that calls themselves Awaken, what we value matters. It helps determine our course of action and how we show up as a family and in the world. And we're just going to say from day one in this series, that Jesus is the highest value. And if we value this Jesus, if that's true in us, lots of things will happen, but I wanna suggest that at least these things will happen because that's what I thought of this week. We will value small and hidden things because we know that God is always at work, every place, everywhere, all the time, even in the small things. That we'll find ourselves in proximity to those who don't have power and those who are on the underside of the boot of the empire. And as we do, I hope, I believe it will. If you, if you walk it, it will break your heart. If it doesn't, ay, carumba. So can we lament together? Can that be a part of our life together, where we, we welcome the voices of the voiceless in our midst? And as we do, we need not be afraid of death and dying in darkness because we know that death always precedes resurrection. That there's always new life. That it's just, it, 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 this is how it works. And so, lots of birthday cakes around here. You know what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. I don't know if you want to in on that, but at least today, I do. So, that's the invitation. There we go. Let's pray. God, I ask that um, in the next moment of silence as we take just a, a few moments amidst our chaos and our hectic lives and our preacher who talks too fast that you would just slow it down and what's true for us today would remain. Whatever seed needs to be planted in, in me, God, let it be. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Community or on Twitter at Community. See you next time.